You've just tuned into Beyond Your Past, part of the Mental Health News Radio Network. Welcome back to Beyond Your Past, the podcast that focuses on inspiring you to move forward from what's been holding you back in life. Each week, we talk with clinicians, coaches, mental health advocates, and those who've overcome tremendous odds and now use their journey to encourage you throughout yours. I'm Matt Pappas, Certified Coach and NLP Master Practitioner, alongside Joanne Suppressi, Author, Certified Coach, and Hypnotherapist. In addition to talking with amazing guests on the show, we share practical tips and insightful strategies that empower and encourage you to break free from anxiety, self-doubt, and the negative mindsets that keep you stuck. This is your place to feel validated and encouraged as you take your life back and live free from your past. Hey, greetings, friend, and welcome back to the podcast. Before we get started, we want to take a second and thank a couple of incredible organizations. INLP Center, offering world-class online neuro-linguistic programming and life coach training to people in over 70 countries. If you've ever considered becoming a coach or simply want more information on their programs, just head over to inlpcenter.org and to Daily Recovery Support. Interactive daily group calls in a safe atmosphere for survivors of complex trauma, equipping you with the skills and information you can use every single day in your healing journey. Learn more about this affordable resource and get signed up at cptsdfoundation.org. And for listeners of Beyond Your Past Radio, you can try out the daily recovery support calls for 50% off your first month's membership. You just use the promo code Beyond Your Past, all one word. That's Beyond Your Past, all one word. When you check out over at cptsdfoundation.org, and I'll be sure and put that link in the show notes as well. And a special thank you to you. We appreciate you listening to the podcast and making us part of your weekly playlist. You all are the reason we do this show, and we wouldn't be here without you. If you enjoy these podcasts, please consider sharing this episode with one person who might find it helpful and leaving us a review on your favorite podcasting app. That would be awesome, and we would definitely appreciate it. If you'd like to help support this podcast for as little as 99 cents per month, just head over to beyondyourpastradio.com and click on the support link at the top of the page. Your generous support of any amount helps us to continue bringing you new episodes every single week. So today on the podcast, we're joined by Dorothy Pierre-Joseph. Dorothy is a psychiatric nurse, entrepreneur, wife, mother, and survivor, so she definitely wears many hats in her daily life. She's also the founder of the Trauma Tour, which we will chat more about on the podcast you're about to hear. In addition to learning more about the Trauma Tour, what it is and why she decided to create it, Dorothy talks about some of her survivor story and experiencing sexual abuse as a child and how those events resulted in her living much of her early life in anger and darkness. We talk about the events that transpired, which led her to change a career direction from seeking to become a doctor to going into nursing full-time and into the psychiatric field in particular. We discuss the importance of taking command of your trauma narrative, including what a trauma narrative is and how our story early on focuses on the victim side, but over time and through healing work, we can begin to tell the story from an overcomer perspective. One of the takeaways I found incredibly insightful was framing your story as taking command of your story rather than your story commanding you. We also discuss working through and overcoming cultural inhibitors that keep you from seeking help and talking about your trauma, as well as enlisting the help of your family and children in your survivor journey so they can support you during your time of healing as much as you support them as a parent. So sit back, relax, and let's join the chat with Dorothy Pierre-Joseph, starting right now. So hey, Dorothy, welcome to Beyond Your Past. It's great to talk to you. How are you? 
I'm great. I'm great. I'm just thankful for the opportunity. How are you? I am doing well, thank you. And I am indeed excited to chat with you as well to learn about the importance of taking uh, charge of your trauma narrative and listening to some of your trauma story and um, how a trauma tour begins and all kinds of great stuff about healing and uh, recovery from trauma. And before we get into all of that, though, if you want to take a second and introduce yourself before we get started, that would be great. Okay. Well, like you said, my name is Dorothy Pierre-Joseph, and I am by trade a psychiatric nurse, and I've been a nurse for about almost 11 years now. And so for me, um, trauma has always been part of my story, and that's actually how this whole trauma tour began. Um, And I am blessed to be a mother of five. Um, two adopted children and three biological children, but I consider them all my kitties. Um, two are off now. Um, well, one is off to college. One is getting ready to go to the Air Force. Um, so I'm hopping and busy all of the time. And I have a wonderful husband. We've been married for about 15 years now. And so that is that is me in a nutshell. Well, you in a nutshell sounds amazing. And I'm excited to kind of dive into this a bit more. So Why don't we start off a little bit and you can share kind of um, what got you started into being or to getting into this field of nursing? Um, You know, what drove you to it, uh, circumstances that influenced your decision, all that kind of stuff. And then we'll dive into the conversation. Well, for me, I, I went to school originally to become a doctor. And so after I finished my four years of university here, I live in Florida, um, I sat to take my MCAT and then my mother got in a horrible um, house fire and she got burned over 60% of her body. And so because of her condition and her state, I had to put school off for a while and I ended up taking care of my mother. My mom um, owned her own beauty salon. She was a business owner all through my years growing up. And so I had to take care of her and also of the business. But what I got a chance to see is, and nothing against doctors, doctors are great. Where would we be without them? But I saw a different level of care with the nurses. I mean, even after my mother was discharged from the hospital, I had nurses coming to our house months and months after just bringing by meals, calling, checking on us, bringing groceries, even without us asking. And I thought, wow, look at these superhuman beings. Like I want to be just like them. And so I changed my course and I went and finished school and became a nurse. I absolutely echo everything that you said. My daughter is a labor and delivery nurse and she is amazing. And I had uh, some experiences when I was in the hospital. Um, Oh, probably about two years ago now where the nurse, where, where the nurses were just incredible and, you know, caring and they were checking up on me before and afterwards and while I was there. So I absolutely echo everything you said. And nurses are really, I think, in my opinion, the unsung heroes of, of, of the medical world. Um, because without uh, people like you, <laughs> people like us don't get the care that we need. So from one patient to a nurse, thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> and you're welcome. I guess from all of us nurses, <laughs> you're truly welcome. <laughs> cool. So let's talk a little bit about taking charge of a trauma narrative. What does that mean? How do we do it? All that good stuff. 
Well, taking charge of your trauma narrative is I really begin to notice within myself and through my journey of healing and then also working with others is the fact that we always tell our story before we really start the healing process as a victim. And so, you know, some of us get really settled and we just either completely block it out of our minds or when we do speak about it, we come about, we come off still as the victim. And so what I got a chance to see after, you know, some of the processes that I went through dealing with the things that I went through in life and the things that happened to me is how important it was to now when I tell my story, yes. I tell a story of some ill things that happened to me when I was younger and all through while I was growing out, growing up. However, I get a chance to say the victorious portion of my story, what my story meant and who I am today and how I help people today. Telling your story is, in my humble opinion, one of the most important aspects of healing. Um, and I and I rem- and what you said rung a bell with me. In that when I first started telling my story, I had no idea what I was telling. I, I mean, I was absolutely still in victim mode. I really didn't even yeah. understand what I was going through. I was just kind of getting it out of my head, you know, just, yeah. I mean, which, you know, in hindsight was a good idea, but how much my story has changed from then. And then, you know, going through therapy, uh, working with a professional and then working with a coach and then to where I am now, the story, while my truth is still you know, largely the same as I recall it, the way I tell it is much different, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that's one of the things that, you know, I I see firsthand is, you know, the part of where we don't want to, you know, accept the story. We know it happened, whether it be, you know, too painful or if it's, you know, mentally some processes that we're blocking intentionally or unintentionally, whatever the case may be. But when we get to that point and we are able to, you know, tell the story, but being able to kind of command your story where it's not just being somebody that had something happen to them, but somebody who's using that and empowering others or being able to say, you know what? Yes, this happened to me, but today I choose to live this way. I don't have to live the way that my story started. You know what I mean? And so that's, that's like taking charge of that is so important, but so many of us need just the awareness of even being able to deal with, you have a story and you deserve to tell your story and your time and how you're able to deal with you're working with a therapist, you know, a professional or you're journaling, however it is that you get your story out. But there comes that point where you actually command your own story. Yeah, that's a great point. And as you were talking, I was thinking to myself um, a bit more on what I mentioned earlier in that, you know, when you tell your story, again, whether you're writing or podcasting or speaking or whatever you're doing, your story often kind of in a way dictates you or tells you what's going on. And, you know, because obviously you are, you are perhaps still living in a trauma space or you're not really sure what everything is yet. And you've got like all these puzzle pieces that don't fit together. So you're kind of sharing bits and pieces and none of it really flows, but you are at least doing something to get it out of your head. But ultimately, as you learn to craft your story and you heal, your story doesn't tell you, you tell your story. So you don't feel obviously as much of a victim anymore, but you're able to tell your story, not only for your own benefit, but for the benefit of others. 
And I think that's where you can really see the benefits of working with a trauma-informed professional is when you can look back and see how your story has changed over time. Yes, you summed it perfectly, Matt. Absolutely. When you can tell your story and your story is not telling you, perfect. You know, I always, when working with clients or or talking with people or writing or whatever, I always, one of the things I say is when you can kind of look back and by looking back, I'm not necessarily meaning like months or years, but even weeks, and you start to see a shift in how you act or how you tell your story or how you utilize coping strategies or whatever the case may be, you're like, wow, this this whole healing thing might actually be starting to pay off, right? Yes, it makes sense. <laughs> it makes <laughs> sense. I think, I think I can't speak for everybody, but I think a bulk of us, when we're taking on the journey, you know, not even knowingly, because sometimes you're starting the journey and you don't even know it, but you get to that place where you're hearing a professional or you're hearing, um, you know, somebody who is basically using their expertise to help you. And you're like, no, this isn't going to work. You know what I mean? Because to unveil what you've been covering is just going to do more damage. And then you start to really start to see how the pieces fall together, how the puzzles come together, like you say. And so that is absolutely a turning point and in, in just the journey and the process itself. So let's talk a little bit too, or I guess maybe talk a bit more about you dedicating your life to helping others with their with their trauma journey. Like what does that look like for you? What are the what are some of the things that you teach and how do you present the material and your story in a way that helps inspire others to learn? Or I, I guess I should say to begin to get to a point where they can begin telling their story instead of their story telling them. Well, I'll tell you a little bit about my background. So um, I was born in Haiti and raised here in Florida. And um, I do have mental disease in my family. I actually had a uncle who was um, schizophrenic. And so what happened is some of the culture and some of the um, inhibitors, I call them from just my background in general from our culture, is that we didn't speak about it. There was there was a lot of um, folk, folklore um, teachings. And basically, as a culture, we didn't talk about mental health. We didn't talk about depression. We didn't talk about anxiety. We didn't talk about those things. You know, um, I was molested really early on in childhood. And even though I was very young, I knew that at that time, it wasn't a good time to bring up being molested. I knew what it would mean for the family. And I also had a sense of I would feel a lot of shame and guilt because that is what I had seen modeled growing up. And so I noticed something just within our culture. Um, and then to tie that into, um, you know, our faith. There are just certain things you, you, you either just prayed about it, you didn't talk about it, or you let it go. That was it. Those were the three choices. Pray about it. Um, don't talk about it. Just be quiet about it. Or you let it go, period. And so I knew that there had to be more growing up. And of course, as a, as a young person, you really just don't know how it's supposed to change. And so that's how it's it started because I just wanted people to just have an awareness, right? Because for my culture, um, you know, even with the sense of being molested, they didn't, they don't really label that a trauma. It's, oh, it's just something really bad that happened, right? It's something bad that happened to me, but it was a trauma that changed my life completely. I never had a sense of uh, normalcy growing up. Like I had a childhood. I was always on 
guard. I always had trust issues. Um, growing up, I always had intimacy issues. I always had all of these things, but I was not allowed to label what I went through as trauma. It was something that happened and I wasn't able to talk about it. I could pray about it, but I couldn't talk about it. And so I started to see, even within my practice, I worked at psychiatric facilities and I worked in home health care with patients who suffered from mental disease all the way from, you know, anxiety and stress-related issues to, you know, somebody who was having an episode, a crisis, who was, you know, not regulated on their meds. And I just really began to pay attention to what I was seeing. I started paying attention to the different backgrounds. I started making, writing down notes and really, really being acute and aware to who I was treating, who I was seeing. What were the relationships between the parents and the children that be later became the patients? How this sort of trauma kind of transferred and how the children were dealing with these unresolved traumas of the parents. And so I said, you know what? I think that it would be such a wonderful idea just to raise the awareness, begin to make people see within the same culture, within the same background, or, you know, with similar stories that this is trauma. This is what we call trauma. And from there, once you start to see that what you went through was trauma, you start to move from the whole notion that you have to either be quiet about it, let it go, or just pray about it. And that there's more that you, it's okay to seek help. It's okay to have those hard conversations. It's okay to let somebody else know that, hey, I'm going through something or I've been holding this down for 30 years. And this is not how I want to live the rest of my life. And so I begin to do seminars, workshops. Um, I got, I get invited to do women's conferences. And so I raise the awareness of what trauma is and what do you do with it after that? Excellent stuff. I love it. And something, or uh, keeping on this topic of uh, cultural inhibitors, because I think that's probably, or well, not probably, it is something that I know I struggled with. I mean, I was born in 71, so I grew up mostly in the 80s, which I'm very proud of, by the way. But um, back then, regardless of whether, you know, you were a teenager or an adult, you know, people weren't talking about mental health all that much. You're like, oh, you know, all I have anxiety or, yeah, you know, this bad thing happened to me when I was a kid. But it wasn't anywhere near as mainstream as it is now. And so maybe if you want to touch a little bit on perhaps the difficulty of trying to confront these cultural inhibitors and maybe reasons why it's difficult or why we don't do it, or maybe because some, some of the pushback we get that can ultimately be detrimental to us trying to reach out on our own behalf and get help. Absolutely. And I'll tell you, like, for instance, um, in my culture, and I've, I've spoken to a lot of people of the Caribbean culture as well, where, you know, if you had a family member that was taught to have any form of mental disease, they were absolutely an outcast. They were an outcast. There was something, you know, biologically, genetically wrong. And, you know, heaven forbid that we should let them be exposed to the rest of the family. And so we have all of these stigmas. And typically what I see is when someone comes to a trauma tour and, you know, I look at the faces and you can see, you can almost feel, you know, a little bit of tension in the air and some apprehension because 
it's almost like this person is going to say what I haven't wanted to say all these years, or she's going to stir up something that I don't necessarily want to be stirred up. But really, what happens is just through simple conversation and simple dialogue is people who have been sitting and suppressing a story or suppressing a a traumatic event for years and years and years will say, or you know what my favorite really Matt is when somebody doesn't even realize it's trauma, you know, like in one of the traumas that I had, we had a, a young woman who was basically expressing that she had gone through an abusive relationship. And so I had this older woman, I would say she was most likely in her 60s or 70s. And after the session, she came up to me and she said, do you know that I have been in my marriage for some over 40 odd years and this is my life? And at some point, I just stopped looking at looking at it as something that was wrong. And I thought to myself, oh my goodness, that this abusiveness, this abusive relationship has completely become this person's norm. And so her awareness was like, I have to find out what along the way started to make me feel like this is normal. You know, I, you know, she even expressed herself not even realizing who she was. She said, I remember that I was really strong and I feel like I kind of lost that. And so it started this converse, conversation and she later on went to therapy and she's still married to this, to this, you know, this gentleman, but she has expressed to me that she feels that she has a power now. And she knows that she doesn't merit the abuse. And so even their relationship is starting to change. Their marriage is starting to change. And that's what I feel blessed to be able to accomplish with the trauma tours is having somebody who did not even realize or who who completely let go of the aspect like this is trauma. It's not just about something happening to me. It's what have I become or what has happened as a result of what has happened to me? And so those are those conversations that will often take place during the trauma tours. Yeah, that's a really great point. Um, and I think that that's something you learn, obviously, along the way, um, as you do research, as you educate yourself, as you work with a professional, as you perhaps do blogging or um, other different types of um, expressive modalities to help you, as I always like to say, get the stuff out of your head, putting the puzzle pieces together and kind of turning them into obviously a complete picture or as much of a complete picture as you can. Um, I also like to say kind of having these light bulb moments of, wow, okay, I know why all the years I struggled with this. You know, why Why do I have so many problems with self-esteem? Why do I have problems with food? Why do I have problems with self-confidence. Why, you know, perhaps why was I, you know, maybe more of a target to being bullied, like all kinds of stuff. And when you start to say, wow, okay, all this stuff gets traced back to some type of trauma that I had. And then you're like, holy crap. And it's like this gigantic light bulb moment or whatever. And for me, and I don't know if you've seen this with the patients you work with and on your trauma tours and and whatnot, but when you kind of get those light bulb moments or those, those awareness moments, it can be kind of nerve wracking and unsettling, but it can also be really empowering because you're like, oh my God, that this all makes sense. And then you kind of want to learn more and learn more and figure more stuff out. Um, I know that's how I approached it, but I'm curious. Um, you know, I always like to ask people if that's their experience as well, or if I'm kind of the exception to the rule. <laughs> 
No, you're right on, Matt. I mean, you begin to see these light bulbs, even for me personally speaking, it when you, once you it kind of dawns on you like oh my gosh no wonder you know thinking about this past relationship no wonder that past relationship didn't work because i truly did not trust anybody and so when you begin to have those light bulb moments you know it's kind of like oh my gosh okay now what you know oh goodness you know and you reach you reach those those really scary places i call them scary places where you really start to confront some things you know as a parent i started to begin to confront how i was communicating especially with the oldest and you know i always say i always say to my oldest it's a blessing to be the first but it's also a curse because you're kind of like you know the guinea pigs because i'm trying i was trying to figure it out and I'm trying to see exactly what does this mean for me? What does it mean for my family? Crap, what do I need to do now? You know, like my my mode was always to kind of withdraw. Just don't talk about it. Don't do it until it goes away. But then when you're dealing with another human being and you have that human being's hand, you know, life in your hands and you're thinking, I don't want my children to grow up and to not be able to function in any relationship. I don't want them to take what has happened to me and because I'm not able to deal with it. And so I've had some form of neglect. How many times have we had, you know, different patients or clients or people who are going through really bad depression um, because of what's happened to them and they're completely, with, completely withdrawn. And so they're not able to love on their children, on their families, their significant others. And so there's some form of neglect there. And so all these things go through your mind. And that's the importance of really working with somebody because it can be so overwhelming to have all these light bulbs going off and not really knowing exactly what do I do next? What is next for me? Yeah, that's a good point too. Talking about obviously being a parent and being a trauma survivor, working through your trauma, it can be incredibly difficult to not let our trauma past and all, all the stuff we struggle with now spill over into our children and um, breaking the chain of the perhaps um, intergenerational trauma that may have been going on for years and years. And so educating our kids about what we went through and helping them you know, in their own journey, if God forbid they experience something or just to help them be aware so they can help others. I think it's a really fine line and, and it's really, I, I think, difficult for parents to try and kind of balance that whole thing of, hey, I'm trying to heal from stuff. I'm not even sure exactly what I went through yet. I've got some ideas, but I, but I don't really have the whole story. And here I am trying to be a parent. I'm feeling triggered by stuff my kids are doing. And it, it can just be like a big cluster, really. Yes, it is. And, and that is even the triggers. You know, so many parents will say, well, I never realized this was a trigger, but every time I start to have this conversation with my children, the conversation always goes south. And then I, I you know, when, when you're thinking, and I don't know if you see this with your clients, you always say, well, okay, well, let's get to the root of it. Like, wh what is it about this that triggers you? Or, you know, why do you have this certain feeling? Does, do you, can you relate it to anything? And so you begin to ask these questions. And I think that's where, where it's starts for a lot of us, starting to ask some questions that we didn't ask before. Um, you know, what is it about this? You know, wh how long have I felt this way? You know, some of those questions and, and when we're not dealing with our trauma, it's so easy to brush them to the side. And there are so many different things that play a factor in it, you know, and I know for myself, 
you know, um, one of my children um, actually really benefited from therapy because there were certain things that I didn't realize because of, you know, my, my, I guess, unawareness of what I was going through, through my journey, it absolutely played a factor on this one particular child, child more so than the others. And so being able to say, you know what, I'm going through this as a parent or as a partner, as a husband, wife, whatever it is. But I, I really think it's time that, you know, I seek some help because this has affected me too. And so sometimes you, you really go through the process. There are some things you have to go through individually, but a lot of times when, when the trauma really spills into the, the dynamics of the family, that's where you even have the family needing to be um, treated and go through some healing as well. Yeah, that's a, that's a really huge point. And I think it's, it's a good idea as much as you can to really help or, you know, to really have those kinds of family meetings and keep your kids apprised. Because I think in this day and age, especially with the millennials, you know, they approach mental health in a much different way than, than, than I did when I was a kid, than you did when you were a kid, pretty much any, any generation before them, it's much more um, acceptable now to ask for help and reach out for help than it was 20, 30, 40 years ago. And of course, way beyond that. And I think we sometimes don't give kids enough credit that maybe they're capable of understanding a bit more than we give them credit for or capable of, of realizing that, hey, you know, mom and dad, mom or dad might be struggling with something really difficult here. But until we have that conversation with them and kind of clue them in a little bit, obviously, you know, not necessarily sharing everything in terms of trauma, but giving them a bit of an overview of, hey, you know, I, I went through, th- through some things. I'm dealing with it now. But you're almost in a sense bringing them along on your journey so they can kind of help you. And it gives them a sense that maybe not necessarily uh, jump to conclusions whenever something goes south or there's a rough day. Absolutely. I think they know way more than we give them credit for knowing. I think they just want a sense of being involved. And I know that's what one of my oldest expresses. Well, we kind of knew something was wrong, mom, but we just didn't want to come in unless you invited us. And so, you know, that that was a big lesson for me as as a parent. And so it's something that I try to pass along. Don't be so quick to think that they won't understand. They already probably have a sense something's wrong. And, you know, when you let them in, they kind of move from maybe it's my fault. Maybe that's why they're not talking to me. It's my fault or I'm I'm to blame or I'm the cause of this. But when you include them, it becomes something that you can do um, as a family, essentially. Could not agree more. Very well said. Uh, the other thing I wanted to chat with you a little bit about is tell us tell us more about these trauma tours. Exactly. What are they? How do they work? Because when I hear trauma tour, I'm thinking, OK, she's going on tour. She's doing these big seminars and and, you know, talking to all these people. And maybe there's a concert. I have no idea. So um, kind of let us know exactly what they are and how they work. Well, the trauma tour is essentially we have workshops, seminars, um, and as I stated earlier, women's conferences. So they can be as intimate of a setting as, you know, seven to 10 people, or they can be as big as 25 to 50 people. It depends on, you know, the different setting. I typically like to do seminars and I like to keep them intimate for the purpose of a lot of times people will shy away from either 
speaking or saying anything when there's too many people. And so I find that the best results, the best outcomes come when we have a smaller setting where I go into different um, teachings. Um, I, I really, my target is to raise the awareness. So we start with basics, you know, like what is, what is trauma? What do we define as trauma? And, and surprisingly, a lot of people think, well, trauma is just something that happens to you that's so bad that you end up on somebody's couch. And so, you know, we kind of move away from the stigmas. We get rid of those. And then we just really talk about practical day-to-day things, trauma, whether it's, you know, through losing a loved one, whether it's actually trauma of being, you know, in an abusive relationship coming from from sexual abuse or whatever your trauma is, it's just raising the awareness and then getting some things underhand because a lot of people communicate in a certain way who have, you know, experienced trauma or they lack the ability to communicate in a certain way. And so we begin to look at communication styles. We begin to talk about things like triggers. Um, you know, are you noticing that you have any triggers? It's so it's kind of like scratches at your brain a little bit because I want people to walk and say, you know what? Did I have a trauma that I need to speak to somebody about? Because my greatest fear is as a generation is that we will raise another generation that will completely be unaware of their trauma. Or even though we have a certain of openness now with this generation and so where mental disease can become something we talk about or trauma can become a conversation we can have, do we fully have awareness of what trauma is? And what does that mean? What do we need to do about it? Or, you know, how can we empower others so that the next generation is better than the generation before? And so that's the whole premise of my trauma. We do at the end of the year have a celebration. I have some people who go on each and every session. And so for some of those people and family, we have a big celebration at the end. So last year, our theme was the actual trauma, um, the T and trauma, I called it. And then this year, it's the flip side. So it's some people, you know, who have began to actually seek treatment and now maybe going through different things or engaging in relationships again after years and years of not being in that. And so we celebrate the milestones that we've overcome. And so that's the the trauma tour in a snapshot. I really like that last part, especially when you were talking about helping people validating them, celebrating how far they've come and experiencing things that maybe they've never done before or going back and trying something that they tried before, but perhaps didn't work out so well. Like that's a big part where you can really see the growth um, in yourself and how far you've come. You know, not necessarily that if you're engaging in a new hobby or a new relationship or whatever, not necessarily that it turns out to be the greatest thing ever, but also celebrating the fact that, hey, I've got a skill set to deal with the anxiety. I've got healthy boundaries to keep toxic people out of my life. I've got a way to deal with um, negativity. I've got a way to deal with all of the things that may come up while I am working through or experiencing this, this new thing in my life. And then also being able to celebrate when it goes well and not minimize it, right? Yes, yes. And that is so important because we go through all of these things. And, and I don't know about you, but I know I felt in my journey, 
is this really working? Or we'll have a big setback or a drawback. And we're thinking, I was doing so well, you know, and then you'll feel so alone sometimes during the journey. It can become such a lonely process. And so when you have a community of people who support you, people who celebrate you, I mean, you know, some, some, some of the celebrations that we've had are people going into relationships, people taking on new jobs, people who had been fearful of, you know, going into opening a business of their own because they suffered with low self, self-esteem, people their whole lives who have told them you will be nothing. You can add up to nothing. You cannot do this. And so when you begin to see people grow in the area that they struggle the most, it just brings a smile to my face. It really does. And let me tell you, we go out, we dance, we have fun. And it really is a chance for us to let our hair down and really celebrate where we are versus where we were. So how often do you do these tours? And do you ever come to Pennsylvania? Because if you do, or anywhere around here, I will be at one. I am actually looking. So I've been really just looking into, you know, okay, what is the direction of the tour now? We've we've hit Florida. I've had some requests for Georgia and Northern Florida, but I really want to take the trauma tour nationwide and really make it a movement. I think that there are so many of us, you know, myself and you included, Matt, who are very passionate about the whole matter of trauma and really just wanting people to be whole, to experience wholeness. And so I think there's enough of us to be able to partner and take the trauma tour nationwide. That is my dream. That is what I'm planning and diligently seeking for. It sounds amazing. And if I can ever help support this effort, please do let me know because I think it's a great thing to be able to not only validate the stories and the trauma and the history of what we've gone through, but bring the awareness to it and then encourage people as they continue throughout their healing stages and then get to a point where they start to feel empowered and more um, self-confident and and they start to be able to tell their story and try new things and break out of the shell and and to be able to encourage them through that whole process is amazing. So um, keep me posted for sure on the progress of it because I would love to help with it. Most definitely. And I thank you. I thank you. Your sessions are always so knowledgeful. It's so full. It's like I, I told my husband, I think I need um, a knife and a fork because I'm getting ready to go into it. It's going to be a full course meal. Whenever you have somebody <laughs> on, they're always touching on, you know, some things that we don't think about. And then it's other things that make make us say, wow, look at how far we've come and just trauma alone, because it used to be the thing we didn't talk about. And now there's so many different opportunities, so many different ways for us to grow together. And and that, I just commend you for that. And I just encourage you to keep going. And if you ever need anything, myself and my team and the trauma tour, we fully endorse you and your podcast. It's awesome. Well, thank you, Dorothy. I appreciate it. That means a lot. And I will definitely be in touch because I really think you're onto something with this tour. And if we can make this something to to where it really takes off and everybody in the country can benefit from, from the teaching of you and your team and really just feel empowered that, Hey, I'm a survivor. I've been through hell and back but this does not define me and I'm going to try new things and I'm going to break the mold and I'm going to break the stigma and I'm going to do what I can to help myself, to help my family, to help my children, to help inspire others. I think it is incredible and I'm honored to 
to help with this any way I can. But so before we uh, wrap this up, though, please tell us where we can learn more about the trauma tour, where we can find you uh, on the web and all that good stuff. You can find me at heartbreaktobreakthrough.com. That's H-E-A-R-T-B-R-A-K-E, the number two, B-R-E-A-K-T-H-R-O-U-G-H.com. So heartbreaktobreakthrough.com. You can send me an email at breakthroughplatform at gmail.com. And to any of the listeners who would like to, to call and find out of any trauma tours that are coming to your area, you can feel free to call 772-240-9124. And I really look forward to making new connections and keeping the tour going. Amazing, Dorothy. Thanks so much. This has been incredible. And I would love to bring you back. And maybe the next time we can actually talk about this tour coming to Pennsylvania. So I'm excited. I'm looking forward to it, Matt. Thank you so much again for having me. Thanks for listening to Beyond Your Past, part of the Mental Health News Radio Network. Information shared on this podcast is for educational and informational purposes only. Nothing on this podcast should supersede the direction of a medical doctor or any mental health professional. If you enjoy this podcast, please subscribe on your favorite podcasting app and leave us a review. We would sure appreciate it. Also, please consider sharing this episode with someone who may find it helpful. If you would like more information on working with Matt as your coach, just head over to beyondyourpast.com and schedule your free one-hour chat. If you'd like to learn more about working with Joanne as your coach, please check out joannesuppressi.com and contact her for more information. We're always on the lookout for new guests. If you're interested in joining us on an upcoming episode, just head over to beyondyourpastradio.com and contact us. We'd love to hear from you. Talk to you soon.